0: Hey listeners, I'm Eric Taylor, and this is The Hair Game. New Salon Republic Openings Torrance opens in August later this month. Also, Escondido, Valencia, Burbank, and Thousand Oaks all opening from September to November. Go to salonrepublic.com, or you could just hit the link in my Instagram bio, Love Eric Taylor. Okay, let's do this week's pod loot giveaway. This is a large 18-inch ring light with a tripod. The winner is Deborah Moore Hare. Deborah, DM me at Taylor and send me your mailing address. I'll tell you what we're going to be giving away next week at the end of this episode. Make sure you listen because I'm announcing a big pod loot coming up. How many of you are listening to the Hair Game Alexa skill? How many of you even knew that we had a Hair Game Alexa skill? Every day we take an important clip from one of our almost 100 episodes and we put it on any Alexa enabled device for you to hear. They're inspirational, educational, and entertaining. Check it out. And if you have been listening, let me know because to tell you the truth, I have no many, I have no idea how many of you are listening and I'm extremely curious. Also, The Hair Game has a YouTube channel. We're dropping episodes every two weeks. It's technical education for hair, skin, lashes, and other things, as well as some of our podcast interviews like episode 93 with YouTubing hairdresser Adam ChaCha, where he tells you how to get better at producing YouTube content on our YouTube content. That's called Meta. Check it out. You can find it in the link in my Instagram bio or the Instagram bio of The Hair Game Podcast. Now to Larissa Dahl. Right, Craft Lookbook. This is our fourth year doing a Craft really? Lookbook. Really? Yes. I thought
1: this was your second.
0: No, our fourth Where year. Where was
1: my invite before?
0: I, I would say, I I don't know. I don't know. You never respond to my texts. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding.
1: I mean, that might be true, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I think you You didn't respond to my texts a few years ago. Then you started responding to my texts. Oh, really? Yes. And I've been making fun Ouch, of you for it sorry. since. <laughs> since. No, this is actually the fourth if not fifth lookbook that we've we've done really? it started off as basically a bunch of barbers smoking weed and doing hair and then it's kind of evolved into something that's more formal yeah. which is this education all day today saturday and then tomorrow there's like carnival games and things like that Like i'm excited to things. teach in
1: the garden Like yeah. who teaches in the garden we nobody, Me
0: nobody. Do. <laughs> well maybe you now <laughs> alright so we're gonna record a podcast that's what we're here to do and uh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Let's okay. go. And anyone, if you want to ask questions, you can do that. I'll, I'm going to ask maybe 20 minutes of questions, and I'll throw it out to anyone else who has questions, OK? This is the part where I introduce you to the okay. listeners. You're dun,
1: dun, dun. Bum, bum,
0: bum. <laughs> Larissa Dahl. That's me. Hairdresser for how many years now? Nine years. Nine years. Um, you own a salon in Studio City. I do. You are a Joico ambassador. Yes. Worldwide.
1: Global and brand ambassador. What else do you do? Uh, I travel the world globally teaching. Okay. Um, I, like you said, I own a salon in Studio City. I'm coming out with a second collaboration with Joico on another color line. Okay. Um, What is
0: the new color line called?
1: It's called Love Aura.
0: Ooh. Yes. Okay. All about. Is that a play on your name, Larissa Love? (laughs) It
1: might be. Okay. Um, and it's about just like different tones that have love intermixed with them. And they're really beautiful. They're five new lines, five new colors, I should say. Okay. And I'm really excited for it. And I think this is the first time I actually announced it.
0: That's so. super exciting. Yeah,
1: I don't know if I should have even announced that yet. So
0: <laughs> now you know. <laughs> if we weren't supposed to, I can cut it. <laughs> That's okay. the beautiful thing. Uh, actually, we're live, so we can't cut that. <laughs> Um, okay, so tell us about the early years, where are you from?
1: So originally I'm from Ukraine. Okay. I was born there and I moved to the States when I was six years old. Wow. My family won a visa lottery and so my immediate family got to come to America. Everyone else in my family, my uncles, cousins are still in Ukraine. I don't have one other relative out here. Um, and I've been living in LA for about 12 years now. I moved out when I was 17 and my parents completely cut me off because they didn't like what I was going to pursue, which is hairdressing.
0: What did they want you to be? They
1: wanted me to have a normal job, a nurse or a lawyer or An whatever. An insurance salesperson. Exactly. They were going to happy with anything else besides being a hairdresser mm-hmm. because it was not a real career in their words. Mm-hmm. So my, classic
0: immigrant philosophy.
1: classic immigrant or classic anyone's philosophy right. back in the day. Yep. I think with social media now we can really showcase How artistic we are, and how amazing our industry is. But before Instagram, and really how before it like really popped off, people just thought that we were uneducated, and we just wanted to play around and and do hair, you know. And it was such a stigma, and. Taking my dad's negativity really pushed me so people ask me always ask me like What inspired you to like really just run with it and become a hairdresser and like just take these risks that you always do And it was really my dad saying it's not a hobby, you know, I mean it's a hobby It's not a career Mm -hmm. and I was like oh yeah I'm gonna fucking show you not only is it an amazing career, but you can make tremendous amazing money while doing what you love You know we get to transform people's lives on how they feel and look every day I think we have the best industry or the best jobs in our careers are in like anyone that can basically from choose from. Like yeah. I don't know. I can't imagine being a nurse. Thank God for nurses. But like, I just can't Amen. imagine doing anything else besides doing hair. Absolutely.
0: You know? So have they come around your way of thinking now?
1: You know, you'd be surprised. Like my mom has always been amazing and just, she just wants me to have, be happy. But my dad still is like, you know, maybe she'll go back to college. I'm oh, like, funny. Really, okay, Dad. I make more than you and my mom combined, but okay, you know. And it's not even about the money; it's just about the passion that I have for it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really can't imagine myself doing anything else. So at the end of the day, my dad's just stubborn and foreign, and he's just stuck
0: in his ways. So why did why hair? Why did you find hair?
1: Well, as a kid, I always loved anything artistic. So I love to paint. I love to make jewelry, clothes and so then I started doing hair you know just kind of playing around I remember when I was like in seventh grade I lined my hair with peroxide I don't even know how I knew lined your hair but I did mm-hmm. I had beautiful brassy orange hair color I <laughs> was so cool and I just started like playing around with hair and fell in love with it and the more I did it the more I realized this was my calling this was my what I wanted to do mm-hmm. but I never thought in a million years that it, I would be where I am, you know all I ever wanted to do was just have a good clientele and maybe hopefully own a salon. That mm-hmm. was as far as I thought my career could go
0: so even before you went to hair school, you were thinking I want to own a salon yes I, and I guess at the time, you may not have known that there were jobs like internationally ambassador to a, to a company no traveling educator
1: absolutely not I, like, I didn't even know there was a thing as a hair shows you right. know and to be honest, when I was three years into doing hair. I was asked to go to do a hair show for a meet-and-greet, and I didn't even know that there was hair shows while I was in a hairdresser because I was so just focused on my career as a hairdresser and being behind the chair building clientele that that was my world, you know, and that's all I knew and then when Cosmoprof asked me to come out and do meet and greet to do a hair show, I'm like, there's hair shows? And who wants to meet me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like a whole new world that opened up to me mm-hmm. and the rest is history, really.
0: So let's talk about the evolution uh, starting from you getting out of hair, hair school. And, and where did you go to school, first of all?
1: Uh, I went to Marinello. Of course. And now it's shut down for a reason, as mm-hmm. it should be.
0: Okay. And So you had a bad experience.
1: Terrible <laughs> experience, I mean, and you know they really just didn't. The teachers did not know what they were doing, yeah. and I was not educated whatsoever. It'd be more of like, all right, you have ten perms to do today, like check them all off. When the hell do we ever do perms? Like, let's be real. It was so old school. So we didn't learn anything really about even basics. Like at least Paul Mitchell and other schools really teach you like at least how to like the basics of becoming a hairdresser and like being behind the chair. Where there, I didn't know anything. So I literally, when I graduated, I paid $20,000 for a piece of paper, you know, my license. And I'm self-taught, so I never had like an actual mentor. My mentor is Nina Passion Square. I love her Mm -hmm. um, for advice, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. actually to learn, I just kind of was more like trial and error and the first few years or first year I was like I'm just gonna do my own thing I don't want to work at a salon and then that failed Mm -hmm. and uh, then I worked at a salon for two months my first salon was uh, what is it called it was a chain salon don't even remember the name of it and I quit after two months because I didn't have a mentor I was Uh like sweeping the floors all day Mm -hmm. you know and then I went to another salon and then my last salon I worked at was in Beverly Hills and I worked there for a year and I started making good money, had good clientele, but I didn't like the clients that I, I was doing. You know, it was more old school, covered yep. grays, yep. highlights, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. I was like, why did I? Why am I even doing this? I'm losing my passion, you know. And so I completely started from scratch after three years in the industry. Um, didn't tell my clients I was leaving because I didn't want them to follow me, and <laughs> started from home. And this is when I could barely afford. To even live in LA, so I was living in not a good area, and I had a two-bedroom house that was very cheap because I was not living in a good area, a very sketch area. And I started from scratch, and I start, this one Instagram just came out, so this was eight years ago, nine years ago yep. when I really started. Twenty twelve-ish. Yeah. And um, I started asking my friends and family, you know, let me do your hair just so I can start posting on social media. And slowly but surely, I started getting clientele from Instagram.
0: So hold on. How did you know Instagram was a thing? Because most people didn't.
1: No, a lot of people, and I, when I first started, I was using filters from Instagram for
0: Facebook. I think we
1: remember those days.
0: Well, that was kind of the catalyst that uh, jump-started Instagram, right? Yes, it was the filters. And do you know where the filters, where the idea for the filters came from? No the the founder's wife told the founder that she didn't want to post on his new app called instagram because she was afraid that she wouldn't look good unless he had filters
1: wow yep i like that knowledge Mm -hmm. all right that's good to know there you go so i just had i don't know i just had a feeling there was gonna be something big about this app you know And I knew that you could utilize hashtags and all that, and so I really just jumped on it right away.
0: And you were on Facebook to begin with? Yes. And were you working hard on posting content? I was, but I
1: wasn't really getting a lot of clientele out of it. And um, so that's when I went into Instagram because I knew it was more of a younger crowd, Mm -hmm. and that's the type of clients I wanted. And so I started posting friends, and you know, slowly a few clients started coming around. But they would be coming to my house—not a great area—washing mm-hmm. them out of my sink. And I did that for eight months, you know. And um, I think it, after being booked out, maybe with two clients a week, I was like, "Ooh, it's time! <laughs> I got to get a studio," mm-hmm. you know. And I've always been a really big risk taker, and I think where I am, that's why I am where I am in my industry now because of that. So. Living off a of Top Ramen, I was like, living alone, barely can make rent. I'm like, I'm gonna open up a studio. Hopefully, I can pay for the studio rent and products on top of that. But I think with great risk comes great reward. Mm-hmm. And when I opened up my first studio, it was at Salon Republic.
0: Mm-hmm. Or uh, yeah, Salon
1: Republic, yes, <laughs> in Studio City. And that was
0: actually our first one. I was 22 when I opened that location. Really? Yeah. yeah.
1: And I was sharing with someone, so she worked on weekends, I didn't. Um, or she worked on Sundays and. Who were you sharing with? It was just like some random lady that had it for a while. Okay. I don't even know her name. Okay. And um, and sometimes she'd be like, "Oh, can I come in do a men's haircut?" But she like never really worked there. I'm like, "All right, if you <laughs> want to split the rent with me, cool." So I really hustled and I worked from Monday through Saturday, from like eight in the morning to like ten o'clock at night. Um, but. Going back, so when I opened up the studio, I'm like, man, I really hope I can, you know, pay this off. Mm -hmm. And it did, because as I started actually having a more professional area to work in, that's when the clients started coming in and also, posting like photos in the same area and making it all consistent. My Instagram um, my Instagram started looking much nicer. My work started getting better because I was, you know, working. And the more you, you, you do, the more you, um, and the better you get, I yeah. should say. And um, after working in the salon for three months only, or studio, I was booked out two years in advance. And it was insane. One, don't ever do that. Okay, don't ever book yourself out that long because your life is booked out for you, but
0: Hold on, to what do you attribute that? Just your gram? It
1: was all Instagram. And I think it's because I was one of the first ones to really jump on it to start promoting my work on there. Mm. Um, And Guy Tang was one of the first ones too, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: Mm -hmm. Also Salon Republic?
1: Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that way, there was not many people that could see other people's work, and I was one of the first few of artists that really showcased my work Mm -hmm. every day. I was on top of it.
0: So you were posting every day. Every day. You were putting a lot of effort into it. Yes. And this just photos were
1: there, so Mm -hmm. you can only post photos. Mm -hmm. So I was really just like every client I I did, I posted. You know, and I post before and afters because it's much more dramatic, Mm -hmm. and so that's when clients started just flooding, and I was shocked. Like every time I say this people don't believe it but it's it's true you know (laughs) Um, and it was insane and I think also my prices were much lower too so I think that's why they were really going for it because I had such crazy transformations for the price that I was charging and um, yeah I was booked out two years in advance and I was like why would anyone want to book out that far but it's because they didn't know when he wants to go to you know so they're like I'll just wait and um
0: and you're still sharing a studio. Absolutely. You don't, still don't even have your studio. own studio. No, yeah. So then did you go to David and Alexis?
1: So then I went to another studio. I forgot the name of it because I was literally there for a month or two. In, the, in
0: Tarzana. It was in Encino yep. or Tarzana. Encino. yep. Something like that. Yep.
1: And it was terrible. It was so terrible because they just opened it up. They were still renovating it. There was no AC. It was summer hot. It was heat wave. Yeah. And I'm blow drying in a little space, and it was terrible. It'll
0: go nameless, and then where'd you go?
1: Yes, let's just not even name it because it's not worth it. Um, And then I went to uh, the bungalows at the Butterfly Loft. And I had two chairs, and it was a beautiful space. I loved the natural lighting, it was perfect. And then that's when I started, I was like, okay, I'm paying more for the place, I gotta raise my rates, mm-hmm. you know? And every year, actually, as it, when I started booking out, I, after four years of being in the industry, I started raising my prices $100 a year every year. Because I was booked out so far in advance. So, like, so, I forgot who was saying that earlier. But Andrew does yeah, 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 yeah. Andrew, when he was like, you know, when you're so booked out, raise your prices. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I started losing that clientele, but I knew my worth and I knew my work was good. So it's either you respect me as an artist and know my worth as well, or go to someone else because you get what you pay for, Yeah. you know? And so I started now being booked out maybe six months in advance. And that was amazing because from two to six was a big leap. Yeah. And
0: at a higher price. At a higher price. Per service. So
1: you work less and you make more. Mm-hmm. You know. But mm-hmm. I was still doing like six, eight to eight clients a day in a mm-hmm. two chair salon. Amazing. And it was always crazy filled and I outgrew it and I worked there for two years mm-hmm. or a year and a half. Two years something. I don't know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I opened up my salon. Mm-hmm. So I took I went from like, you know, little, little, little to like a little bigger and then my salon because I knew I had to get a bigger space and I wanted to get a team because working at a studio can sometimes get lonely for me you know even though I had two assistants at that time mm-hmm. some people love that mm-hmm. and I do love it but I just wanted to have more of a salon you know team friendly you know where you can get inspired by other people mm-hmm. but with Salon public, what I loved about it is that there even though you're working your own space you kind of get to know everyone You know, so you do get inspired by that, but you don't get to really see their work because we're all in different boots, you know. So then I opened up a salon three years ago, and that was the most craziest challenge of my life.
0: How long did it take you from the time that you said, and, and by the way I'm gonna remind the listeners you you thought early on that you really wanted to do that yeah. even before hair hair school mm-hmm. so here you are kinda living out that dream right That was
1: just my like goal as like, a hairdresser yeah. you know that's like I thought that was gonna be the top of the top like once I get a salon I made it
0: right. you know so from the time that, that you said okay I'm gonna do this I have some money saved up maybe uh, to the time that you open how long did that take
1: Um. You know, finding location is probably the number one thing, and the, you know, the the actual salon itself was took me about six months to find because it had to be perfect. The location mm-hmm. had to be perfect and had to be next to a Starbucks. You know, I think we all can agree, right? And also, I, I, lo- I had to be where there's a lot of foot traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, because the team that I was hiring they weren't fully booked. Mm-hmm. You know, and then also I was getting so overbooked, I was taking clients so I could give all the people that wanted to come to me to my team. So um, I would say, yeah, it took about six months to find location, took three months to renovate the place because I completely gutted it, and I said, "You know, if I'm going to do, I'm going to do it right." And so I completely gutted the place, and it was called Red Salon, And literally everything in salon was red. Funny. <laughs> and uh, I will say it was much more expensive than I expected. So anyone that wants to open up a salon, double your budget. My budget was $100,000, and it was doubled mm-hmm. just to renovate the place. But because everything in my salon is custom, you know, from the stations to the to the reception area to the mirrors, everything. Um, and I did a lot of just work and construction construction work in general there. Yeah.
0: And but then, a lot of the the uh, fundamentals were there, like the plumbing, yes, and, and all that stuff was that's, there. That's what was that's important. That's where to the me. real money is. Yeah. Okay. That
1: was important to me to actually find a salon. You yeah. Know? So I bought out the salon, and then I had to put another certain big chunk of money to actually renovate it because yeah. I was not feeling the vibe of the place. And, yeah, so I've had it for three years now. There's been definitely many bumps in the road. It's not what people expect to own a salon. They think it's all just, like, amazing. You make this insane amount of money, and, and it's just so opposite, honestly. It's, it's a huge headache. It's a blessing and a curse all at the same time, you know. And many people ask me, you know, I want to open up a salon. Um, what advice do you want to give to me? And I say, don't. Don't. You know, because people think they're going to be making insane amount of money and you don't, you know, but open up a salon if you want to mentor, if you want to have a team, and if you want to lead. And that's what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, so there was many challenges, but I wouldn't have taken it back ever.
0: So let's talk about the daily for you. What is the daily routine? It's a le- let's call it, let's call it weekly within, within the week. Tell us about what your, your schedule is like.
1: Well, it depends, you know, because half of my career now is traveling and I travel globally teaching uh, with Joico and on my own. I have my own tour too um, and my own shows. So it depends. If I'm in the salon, I wake up around 8 o'clock. I get ready, take my dog out, um, maybe go for a walk and then get to the salon at 10 o'clock on on the dot. I'm never there early. (laughs) My, uh, My assistant is there early, thank God for her. And then I start on my first client at 10 o'clock, my next one is at 11.30, and my last one's at 1.30, because I, will, I wanna be out of the salon by four or five so I can actually have a life outside the salon. Because I paid my dues, I worked you know, from eight to 10, 11 sometimes at night, I was always the first one in, always the last one out. And I think, you know, you really have to hustle and you really have to sacrifice if you want to be successful, and people think that they see my success and think that they, they can just get it like that, and it's so not true. And, You really have to work hard and like, blood, sweat and tears, got to put Mm -hmm. everything into it if you really want to be where you want to be. And people think it's easy because they see on Instagram and most people post only good things on Instagram, they don't see the challenges. And so, yeah, so that's my regular day. Then I get out five, six, maybe go, then I work out. And then maybe go to the movies or something on a day with my boy fiance. I just yep. got engaged actually. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> it's really weird saying fiance. Thank you. <laughs> um, and that's my day. But if I'm traveling, um,
0: how, ca- how many days a month are you traveling?
1: Ooh, last two months I was. I think I was in LA for like two weeks. Okay. Yeah, so was, half the time. Yeah, it kay. was it was crazy. So I travel half of probably my career's or no. the the year now. Yeah. Um, it depends. Sometimes I'll do a tour in Europe for 3 weeks, 2-3 weeks, and then sometimes I'll go do a show for 3, 4, 5 days. So it just mm. really depends.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh, explain that. What is that like? What is the overseas traveling like?
1: It's it, they definitely get their money's worth, I'll say. I love <laughs> Joico and they definitely put me to work. Um, And I love it though. I love traveling, so I I always have before even doing hair. So it's so, I feel so blessed to be able to put two passions of mine together, which is hair and travel, and get paid for it. Like sometimes I'm like, what is my life? I'm gonna like wake up from this dream, you know? Um, So normally, me and my assistant, we go. May. Mm -hmm. And we fly out to whatever country they take us to. Depends. I just did a a, a a UK tour, but the last tour was four uh, countries. It just depends. But they're all Europe. And we get there. We prep show, travel, prep, show, travel, and I have maybe a day off, okay. prep, show, travel, so I don't really, like, get to sightsee or anything right. like that, people are like, oh, it's so exciting, you get to travel, like, yeah, I see the uh, air, the the airport, I see mm-hmm. the plane, I see my hotel, and then I see the place where I'm going to be teaching, Yeah, and then I go do it all over again.
0: How do you deal yeah. with the jet lag?
1: I don't get jet lag anymore. I think my body just like it doesn't even know what time or day or country I'm in anymore so I don't I don't really get it yeah and I also know how to like I know whether it's gonna be daytime when I get there or so I'll sleep on the plane mm-hmm. or I'll stay up all night or all, all day the whole time on the plane and then sleep when I get there mm-hmm. so you just have to know the timing of when you get to the location
0: how is the industry different in Europe than it is here in oh my US? god,
1: it's it's very different and the first tour I ever did last year was was insane because here, us hairdressers, we are so rebellious here. We break the rules like no other, you know. Like, and so when I went to go teach there, I didn't know that I wasn't allowed to say a lot of things that I actually do, you know.
0: Like curse words no, or, no, no. or or that ways of doing, doing hair. The
1: ways of doing hair, okay. you know, like. I'll say you, you got to know the rules to break the rules for sure. But everyone there in Europe is very by the book. There's no way of like doing anything different. So when I was telling them like, when I balayage, for example, I like to mix in my clay liner and add a little bit of light, uh, like a regular lightning powder, into the balayage to get the extra like lift, that power. And people are like, oh my god, how dare you do that? Like it's like it was the end of the world, you know? And um, so there's they just very by the book there. We're here. We're just rebellious creatures.
0: Is that changing?
1: You know, I think one of the reasons why Joico is bringing me out there too is to really one showcase Joico more and give them a, a more light, you know, but also to let them know that it's okay to really be like a true artist and try something out that you're afraid to do. And so I think it's going to slowly change, but I think they're much more behind than we are in the loop of how we work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I should say. But right. I think it will. I think it will. It's just, I think it's, we need to go out there more and just kind of educate a little bit more. Well, another thing that I was shocked about. They do not utilize social media whatsoever in Europe. Really? At all. I ask everyone, like, how many here has an Instagram? Maybe like 10 people out of 100 people raise their hands. It's shocking. And if they even have an Instagram, they don't even utilize it to post their work.
0: What about Facebook?
1: nothing 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 with social media it's crazy so
0: do you encourage them
1: absolutely I have like I do a full-on social media class there you know and people are like shocked the fact that all my clients are from Instagram 99% of my clients from Instagram where there it's more of like word-of-mouth and you know their little towns or whatever the clients go there to them but it was very shocking to me
0: why do you think that is
1: I don't know I think they're just kind of behind on time Um, I think they're also I think we're a little more narcissistic, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, we're, we like, you know, we like to showcase our world and our life, mm. where I think a lot of them, they like to keep to themselves. It's
0: got to be cultural, right? It's absolutely cultural. I mean, I, when's the last time you've seen a European like this? Exactly. Right?
1: No, never. And,
0: and for the podcast listeners, I just held up my phone like I was doing a story.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And they don't, they don't know anything about social media, and it's really shocking. Yeah. So when I went to go teach them, I was shocked at, like, that... In fact, they didn't even know what hashtags were.
0: Right. You know,
1: right. let alone Instagram.
0: That's really interesting. You know, our, we have a decent number of listeners, podcast listeners in Europe. And um, these people are English speakers who have relocated to Europe. And they like listening to podcasts because it makes them feel like, you know, they're at home. And um, they, they are just about the only people on Instagram that I know from Europe. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, you,
1: how many, like, if you look at your, um, the insiders or whatever, what is it called? The insights. Like you don't get, a, you don't have a lot of followers from Europe ever. It's mainly always in the States, right. you know? And it's because they don't utilize it.
0: Right. Yeah. So. Brazil, right? Yeah. The States. Yeah. 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 So. Um, why do you think people in the industry have liked you for so long? <laughs>
1: I don't know, because I feel like I'm kind of a bitch sometimes.
0: <laughs> like, kind of a what? A bitch sometimes. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I think my European uh, Ukrainian culture is very like I'm very blunt and very straightforward, and I think it can come off like in, uh, wrong sometimes in a certain way. And so I don't know to be honest. I, I I'm very kind-hearted. I am, but I think I can come off wrong at times. Um, I think it's mainly because. I was probably one of the first on social media, and so people kind of just have been following me for so long, Mm -hmm. they kind of feel like they know me. Mm -hmm. And I think that they love the fact that I educate on social media a lot, and that they can grow from that. And I feel like they feel like they can know who I am because I story as well and I always say you know if you want to grow a following utilize your stories because that's when people really get to know your personality Mm -hmm. and people feel more comfortable coming to you if they have a personality like yours so if you're shy, more shy clients will feel more comfortable coming to you if you're like crazy and outgoing and like a little crazy like I don't know, out there Mm -hmm. like I am sometimes my, my clients are like that too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? So right. I don't know.
0: I, I think that's it's good, because you a good give question. a lot on social.
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think I don't have anything to hide. I love sharing my secrets, tips, techniques with the world. You know, I think we're all in this together. We should always motivate each other, encourage each other, inspire each other, and educate each other because there is so much more room for growth and so much more um, clients that we can take that is not going to be. Uh, a conflict at all, Yeah. you know, so I don't think that we should hide anything that we want to share with anyone.
0: Right. So you mentioned risk early on as being like a key component to your success, right? And the way that you continue to do things. Yeah. What do you want to say to those people who have a hard time taking risks? Uh, Have you been introspective about yourself? Like, why am I so okay taking risks? And why aren't other people?
1: You know, I think the best advice I can give for someone that wants to take a risk is just fucking do it. Because the way I think is that I don't wanna be eighty years old, hopefully, if I get to live that long, and regret the things that I wanted to do. You know, I think that we have one life and life is so short and it can be cut off any minute too. So you know, I think that if you want to do it, do it. What's the worst that can happen? It didn't work out, you know, but at least now you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't ever want to live life in regret, and I don't think anyone out here ever does either. So just do it.
0: How analytical are you like with the opening of the salon? You did you about? analyze how much it's going to cost, how much you have how much you have in the bank, no, how long it was I, going to take you to me,
1: me and numbers are not my best friend at all. I only use my left side of the brain, and so I just knew that I like had a pretty good chunk of money saved in the bank, and I was like, let's just fucking do it. You know, I didn't even think that far because I just knew that I wanted to succeed, and I was gonna try everything in my power for it to succeed. And um, so no, I'm not analytical at all. I had no idea how long it was gonna take for the salon to actually start actually making money back. Mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be right away. Um, but, yeah.
0: Do you have any fear as far as your, con- your career is concerned? Like, w- you must have some fear. What's think, your biggest fear?
1: I think we all have fear. If you don't have fear, then something's wrong with you. So, you what's know? yours? Um, I think my fear is like breaking a
0: hand, <laughs> to
1: be honest. Like, you know, I think. Do you have
0: disability insurance?
1: I have really good insurance, but I should probably get like my hands insured. Honestly, you know, I think we all should, hairdressers. Um, I think that's my biggest fear is just like really just not being able to do my passion, and that's really comes with your health. And I think we take health for granted. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I'm always very aware when I'm going skiing or doing anything that's like, you know, outdoorsy, to just really just kind of stay low key on that because. I don't. I know that with one little, yeah, screw up, then mm-hmm. your whole career can
0: go to shit. Right. If you had to redo one thing in your career, what would it be?
1: That's a good question.
0: That's what I'm here for.
1: Oh, I've never had anyone ask me that question before. Probably not put so much money into my salon. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's. I think everyone should start low and then work their way up where I just took that huge leap and like my salons on Ventura Boulevard and like it's a very good area so it's a very expensive and I wish that I kind of started a little bit lower and grew you know towards a bigger and bigger salon
0: right were you um, educating internationally when you decided to do the salon
1: Um, not internationally no I was traveling internationally because I was a brand ambassador for Cosmoprof Mm -hmm. And so I was working with like Wella and all those, all those other companies, Chi. Um, I wasn't educating, but I would travel the world and doing like for Chi, I did um, like Miss Universe and like all those people's pageant girls' hair. <laughs> and with the Wella, I was a judge for Trend Vision twice for them. Um, so I wasn't educating, but I was traveling, you know, for hair. And it's funny, actually, when I actually moved to the bungalows, around that time is when I told them the guy person I was dating at the time I said I don't ever want to educate I don't ever want to educate this is not my thing I just wanna like do hair and just do my thing and now I'm traveling globally teaching so never say never you know cuz things can completely turn around and David actually asked me to teach a class at his salon and it's gonna I think it was called I remember what it was called we was the butterfly Butterfly Circus. circus And I was like, oh fuck, fine, I'll do it. Really don't want to, but it's 30 minutes. But I was shocked at how like common sense is not so common. And, and I taught my most te- uh, easiest technique. This was six years ago. I taught my uh, boleage technique, which is just face framing highlights at the bowl. And the students were just like wowed. And I was like, really? But I just loved how they just engulfed into learning and that. Completely stirred some passion into my heart to want to educate, and, right. and I never stopped since.
0: What's common sense to you may not be common sense not to all, all the people no. listening and watching. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. What is your best career advice for the new, let's call it the next generation of hairdressers?
1: If you're straight out of beauty school, my best advice is to find a mentor. I think that's so extremely important. Um, you know, I didn't have a mentor, and I wish I did.
0: Maybe work as an assistant?
1: Yes. So find a mentor. And it is okay to bounce from salon to salon until you find that person that will mentor you. Don't go to someone that's just going to make you sweep the floors all day and just wash hair. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, every assistant I've ever had, I get them get, I have them get into hair right away with my clients, and also my clients will start feeling comfortable with my assistant touching their hair, and that's how they learn. You know, you learn as you do. So find a mentor, um, and yeah don't settle
0: so there's gonna be a little bit of hair sweeping right of course in addition to getting your Absolutely. hands in the hair like
1: my assistant does it all you know she right. obviously like uh, washes my clients. She sets up in the morning. She sweeps the floor. She does everything. But she also like will blow dry, style, tone. Like she like does everything, you know. And then now I'm my clients are starting to feel comfortable going to her for like root retouches or toning or styling or even trims when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. If when she's not traveling with me.
0: Yeah. You know. Okay. So how does somebody know when they're ready to jump from assisting? to being behind the chair on their own?
1: I think everyone works at their own pace. Some people catch on to it like this, and some people need a little bit more time. So there's not really specific time, on, time limit on that. I think mm-hmm. you can go from anywhere from a year to three years, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on you know, how quickly you jump on it. So with my assistant, May, I told her a year, but if she wants to stay with me longer, if she doesn't feel comfortable, Good for me because I don't want to retrain another assistant, anyways. You know, <laughs> so it makes my life easier. So it depends. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has their own timing on that and their own pace.
0: If you could change anything in the industry at all, I call this my wave the wand question. You have a wand, and you're gonna wave it and change anything immediately in the industry.
1: I wish so many stylists weren't so competitive with each other. You know, I feel like there's even brands and everyone's just so like in their own like corners or whatever I wish that we were all just like come together and I feel like this event is kind of is doing what it's doing already Um, but I feel like a lot of stylists or Instagrammers are so like um, afraid to like share other people's work or other hairdressers because they want to keep their followers and keep their click and I wish that people were just more giving you know it's just all one big happy family
0: but where's my wand? there Let's it is go. so you've been doing it eight years nine years nine years it's changed though hasn't it it's gotten better yeah. i mean when i opened the first salon on ventura boulevard the one that that you were in sharing uh, in studio city i remember people wouldn't share their formulas they wouldn't share their color mm-hmm. they wouldn't even sell their color to somebody else because they were afraid that mm-hmm. their client would jump across You know, the uh, the studio to somebody else.
1: I agree. And I think that people are finally starting to realize that even if you share your formula, your techniques, all that, your clients will still go to you. And also, if you share your formula and techniques, you can't do it how they can do it. You know, so what you do, only you can do it that way. So if you completely showcase your work and your formulas, and then they do the same thing. It's not going to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And also, people don't realize if you share your formula, you can't just sh- show. Uh, you can't do that same formula on your client because what if they lift it differently? You know, it's mm-hmm. just. And so I think people are understanding that now, so mm-hmm. they're they're not afraid. Mm-hmm. But I, I wish yeah. more people will be doing.
0: That. Yeah, heading in the right direction. We really
1: are. And any, it's all thanks
0: to social media. Any questions for Larissa?
1: So my question is, I am a cosmetology student about to get my license. Um, I'm gonna hit 1,200 hours. So I'm working on my resume. I, w- I have two questions though. One is, what, I'm, I'm gonna apply as an assistant. So I'm gonna look for a mentor and I'm on, on the process of doing that. So what do you expect to see on a resume? You know what I love, and what stands out to me is when someone actually walks into the salon instead of just emailing them or DMing them, because that shows your your presence, and you, they get to see like how um, they get to feel your energy, and they get to like see who you are right away instead of just like a little slip in a DM or email. You know, I love when you actually go out and put a little bit more effort into going to the person that you want to work for. Um, Also, I love when people come in and showcase a little bit booklet of their work, you know. I think people are so on social media that they don't print out photos anymore and I love to see like an actual booklet of your work because that just shows that you're putting more effort and that you really want to have this position instead of like, oh, check out my work, here's my Instagram, like, you know, I think putting more effort into that and going to the location will actually make you really stand out. Um,
0: it, being thoughtful, yeah, right? Exactly. Being thoughtful yeah. versus what most people do, which is lazy, yeah. right?
1: And I will say, like, you know, when I look for an assistant, I don't look for your talent. I don't work for, I don't look for, you know, um, how you dress or your race or anything like that. Obviously not. But it's more of, are we going to get along? Because you're going to be with me probably more than you're going to be with anyone else me and May, like, I, right away she stood out to me and she apprenticed with a f- five other people um, when I was looking for an assistant but right away I felt a chemistry with her and people always ask like how long have you guys been working together Bec- and she's only been with me for three months because our chemistry is so connected mm-hmm. you know um, so really finding that connection with the other person and the person that you're going to will feel that right away if, you're, if you have that same uh, chemistry towards each other or not
0: some people call it cultural fit right yeah. in any organization whether it's a group of friends or it's a company when there's potentially somebody new coming in whether you're hiring somebody or a friend you know who's oh, somebody in this group of friends met a new friend and this new there's a cultural fit element mm-hmm. right and that's just a personality thing
1: absolutely and honestly also it will you know i think the way you dress and your style and everything um, person wants to see because it is a cultural thing and if you're like dressing sloppy and you know don't have makeup on or your hair's not done people will see that and they're like well if you're sloppy you're gonna be sloppy and as an assistant as well so coming looking great and also uh, the person you're going to will see whether you're gonna fit the culture or not of the salon Absolutely. what was your other question was there another question so the first question is um what you would like to see in a resume um, and I was like kind of trying to figure out like what exactly is in the resume that you would be looking for. I don't really look at the resume at all. I don't care. I really don't care because I don't care what school you went to. I don't care about any of that. For me, like I said, you know talent, I don't care about that. I don't see. I don't even care about your work. It's more about the effort that you showcase your, your work because talent can be taught but how you are as a person that's just who you are.
0: At Salon Republic, we call it attitude and aptitude. That's what we hire for. We don't hire for a specific uh, experience in whatever you're gonna be doing. It's so much about attitude, which just kinda goes back to cultural fit. Mm -hmm. And then aptitude is just somebody's ability to learn something new, right?
1: I'm Jessica, Um, I'm a stylist in Orange County. I've been following you for years and congrats on your engagement. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I was wondering, you're always obviously trying new techniques um, and I know you go around the world and do learn many new techniques, but right now with the diagonal um, foiling, is that something that you got from somebody or you started or you've just? So that's actually a great question. it's a technique I created on my own and people always ask me how I come up with my techniques and it's, you're not, it's not gonna be the answer that you're expecting. All my techniques come to me at night when I'm almost like falling asleep because I feel like our brains start like working a little bit differently. I think that's why a lot of artists, musicians work at night too because they're more artistic. And so literally all my techniques come to me when I'm almost about to fall asleep. When I wake up I'm like, oh my god I gotta try this tomorrow. So like for example you're talking about my pick-me-up technique. Um, that I created that on my own i just like thought right away i'm like the foils are too short but i can't you i can't turn it the other way because it's not going to be long enough so how can i utilize that and i'm like what if i just fold it the crease is going to be much longer and that was just like a like light bulb in my head yeah and all my techniques i create on my own i don't steal them from anyone i will say like the roller lights is not my technique and people are like this is not your technique. it's just i saw it i thought it was cool and then i recreated it into my own version going to be showing us any of those later I'm, today I'm going to be teaching my arrowhead technique today which is one of my newest techniques and it's a very transformable technique and all my techniques again um, are very fast and I think we've got to work uh, smarter not harder and so you can transform someone much more quicker without having to do foiling for two hours and so I'm excited to share it with you guys Thank you. Yeah. Uh, one question: um, How did you know when you were, back to assisting? How did you know when you were ready for an assistant, and what did you do to prepare for one? Um, so, if you are busy, so if you're taking at least three clients a day, I think you're ready for an assistant. And people are like, "Well, damn, I'm going to have to be paying for an assistant," but you're actually going to be making more money because you'll be able to take in more clients if you wanted to. Um, so, if you feel like you're booked out, like Two to three weeks in advance, and you have uh, three clients a day. It's time, and I also think it's really important to this too because I think that you can mentor and you know be that person f- for someone else. Did you create like a mentor, like checklist of like what to teach them, or just kind of like you think of stuff on the fly? And not necessarily. It's more of like I want to make them into my own pro- protege in a sense, but i want them to be better than i am once they're done assisting me you know so once may is on the floor i want her i don't want to even worry that like oh man is she gonna mess this up i want her to be better than i am as an artist and i think that's really important so i i go back to the color wheel you know and right away we start i start having her start mixing color for me literally on her first day i was like all right I want 20 developer, two scoops of 20 developer, 30 whatever, and she starts formulating for me so she can get her hands into color. She does tone, she formulates all of my color um, because I feel like they can understand color better once they start putting their hands on the color and formulating. Um, and then I teach them all of my techniques as well, and they're watching every single day. And a lot of my techniques I do a lot on the same people. And so that way they can really start getting it. And then for May, even though we've been so busy, but normally I would have her start from the easiest technique, like a pick-me-up or something really easy, which actually was was a freehand balayage. Um, She has a model once a month, but we've been not doing that because we've been traveling everywhere. Um, And then she'll start from the easiest technique to the hardest technique, which is a color correction. And then once I feel like she's ready, then we'll discuss when it's time for her to go
0: on the floor. Any other questions? Yes. So you are talking about talent can be taught. All right, it can be taught at at most points, right? So then would you say that it's 80% uh, it would be 20% mechanics, 80% pretty much ma- mindset and being able to have someone understand that stand- that standpoint. And so just uh, just based off of the look on your face, I'm just going to ask just a little bit of a follow-up. Would you say that sometimes people's biggest issue in the learning process is their mindset? So, then if you can teach them new ways of thinking or ask them new questions, have you found that that makes a greater impact because they came to the conclusion themselves instead of just teaching them a technique? You want to answer That's a that? great
1: question. Um, a lot of times I will be like, All right, Mae, what do you think that we should formulate with? And I'm like shocked because a lot of times she says exact formulation of what I'm going to do. But I didn't do that in the beginning. First, she was watching me formulate. And once I think that she's ready, then I'll start like kind of testing her, you know? And even if she says the wrong one, then you're like, well, no, it's actually this because of this. And you always got to go back to the color wheel, you know, Um, what cancels out what, what, you know, all that. And so I think it's okay to test them and ask them questions, but you still have to teach them and have them learn before you start that process.
0: Yeah. From my standpoint, where you're talking about hiring and training, and it's very similar. At you know, we have 50 employees at Salon Republic about 2,000 hairdressers, but it's the employees that we need to hire and train for. Very similar to building a salon, building a team within a salon or hiring an assistant. I think it probably is 80% attitude. Mm -hmm. The aptitude needs to be there because that's just a base level of intelligence Mm -hmm. that allows someone to absorb information and then keep it, right? The attitude is what kind of get somebody through the sticking point, through that difficulty of learning something new. If somebody has a good attitude, they're going to stick through the difficulty of learning something new. There's something I, I often talk about and that is that is kind of, you know, mental pain. Um, some people call it, you know, emotional labor. But when you're reading a book in school or you're learning something new behind the chair or you're doing anything that requires a lot of brain power. It can literally be painful. And most people just turn away, shut off their brain and walk away. So a lot of what makes the, uh, draws the line between those people who become good at whatever and those people who don't is the attitude that gets them over that line. It's dealing with the pain of learning something new. That's attitude. And I think that that's, that's 80% of it. But. But you got to have the 20 percent because Absolutely. some people just are incapable of learning something new. Yeah. Could be from birth, I don't know. But it, it's the reality of life. What it, and and uh, I would say to that person often do th- there's something else where they do have an aptitude for it. You know. Yeah. yeah sometimes sometimes not right
1: and i'll just add on to that that's why i think it's so important for them to apprentice for you first for you to really see how they work and w- what they're understanding what they don't know before you actually hire them
0: yeah okay so at the end of our episodes we usually do something called hair horror stories Ooh. do you okay. have any
1: hair horror stories as in like i've done something where i've seen something come in
0: either any okay it could be a salon horror story it could be a client horror story It could be an educational standing in front of a bunch of people horror story
1: oh my gosh I feel like there was one like really crazy but I can't think right now
0: <laughs> I should have told you before I know so I like
1: really <laughs> oh, okay um, this is not crazy horror story but is shocking to me I was teaching uh, New Jersey I think three years back and it was a or four years back three, I don't know with Cosmoprof, prof and it was a it was an event I think for 200 students or something and um, my model which um, she didn't eat before and there was crazy lights you know at the event and I was like, babe, you need to eat before because we're going to be out and you're going to be like not eating for a couple hours because you're going to have to get tone, yada, yada. And she's like, I'm fine, I'm not hungry. You know how models are. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> um, and right, I would say 10 minutes before the ending of my event, she was sitting um, and she's like, and I'm like teaching, I'm like super into it. Thank God it was on my last section. She's like, she whispered, whispered to me and she's like, Clarissa. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I'm gonna faint. And I'm like, what? And she fainted on me. And I caught her.
0: She was standing.
1: No, she was sitting. She was sitting. But she like fainted on me. Off of the chair? Yes. And I was just like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) You know? And thank God I was literally done with her last section. I was like, there was one more section to go. And it's because she didn't eat. There were so many lights. She got hot and she just fainted. And I'm like, all right, show is over. (laughs) You know? And. um, Thanks for coming. Yeah and thank god there was a doctor there that ran over she just they gave her like something sweet to eat to get her sugar blood blood up and gave her water and she was fine but i've never had anything like that happen to me and i was just like i don't know what to do like do i like just keep teaching or like do i stop like um, so that was probably one of the most craziest things that's ever happened to me were
0: there gasps in the audience
1: everyone was yeah. shocked and they thought like she died or something i yeah. i i didn't know what to do oh jeez you know? So that's that, pretty good. It was a crazy, it was a crazy experience, but she, we, we finished her hair at the end. She was fine, um, but I, I will never remember. I will never forget that time. Was, we've never had a say.
0: fainting horror story yet.
1: Well, now you have. Yeah,
0: we've <laughs> had all the bleaching ones yeah. and the burning hair and all that, but never fainting. Yet. Yeah. So that's good. It was, it was really intense. Any last words for the community?
1: Um, you know, I just. I love our industry. I think it's the best industry to be in. We're one of the few industries that actually get to touch our people, get to know our clients um, and I think just don't ever think that you know it all. Stay humble um, keep getting educated. There's so many new techniques and innovative just transformations and colors coming out and products coming out. And Just stay in the loop. Don't you know just be an amazing hairdresser and the way you can be an amazing hairdresser and really stand out is just going to events, going to classes and just just stand out and try new techniques, you know?
0: Best place for people to find you?
1: Instagram, Larissa Doll, LarissaDoll, L A R I S A D O L L. You can find my salon as well on Instagram, Larissa Love Salon. Um, and I just started YouTube not too long ago, LarissaDoll nice. as well. Cool. Larissa Love, I don't
0: know. Larissa Doll or Larissa Love (laughs) on YouTube. Yeah. All right. Thanks. You did great. Thank you. Love you guys. Next week's pod loot will be an Amazon Echo Show 5. This thing is super cool. I don't even have one myself. I'm going to get you one first before I get my own. It's like a mini tablet attached to a speaker that sits on your counter or your bedside table and does almost anything you want, okay? That's what we're going to be giving away next week. Now. Our 100th episode, our 100th episode is coming up. It's dropping on August 19th. And for that milestone episode, I'll be giving away an Apple iWatch, their latest model, okay? For a chance to win, write a review on the Apple Podcast app or Stitcher.com for those of you with uh, non-Apple phones. The review has to include your exact Instagram handle so I know who you are. Make sure you're following The Hair Game Podcast and Love Eric Taylor on Instagram. And then I put your name in my bag. Each week I pull a name and I announce the winner at the beginning of every episode. You have to be listening to win so you can DM me your mailing address. If you don't win while you're listening, keep listening because your name stays in my bag and you can win on any week, okay? Complete details, go to salonrepublic.com. And also, by the way, we added at the Hair Game Podcast Instagram a link in the bio that goes directly to where you would leave the review because some of you have written us and you're like, where do I leave the review? Next week's episode will be with actually it's not going to be it's going to be with a few different people. It's my panel on technology in the salon industry that I did in San Francisco in front of a live audience and my panelists were Patricia Nicole Painted Hair, Justin Thomas and Karina Hernandez from Pony Salon in San Francisco. Until then, have a great week.